0: This show will not shy away from the morbid details of these horrific events and the often ugly truths behind them. What you will hear is a detailed timeline of events, perspectives from those closely involved, and analysis by experts. What you will feel is the darkness that surrounds each story, the innocence lost by the victims, and hopefully the justice that was ultimately delivered.
1: Ooh, Don Palumbo.
0: Joan Alanto. It's good to be here. It is good to be here. I like it. We're coming at you from Killdeer. Kildare, I love it. Kildare, North Dakota, and uh, so thanks to um, to you folks for having us. We appreciate it. We've got um, taco bar, Midwestern pinwheels, my freaking favorite. A volunteer bartender. It's just, it's like this is this is small town. This is like this is fun. This is where we belong.
1: <laughs> yeah, and, and <laughs> yeah. a particular shout out thanks to April for helping make this happen and to everybody else. So we 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 love being here. This is this is the smallest of the small towns we've done a Midwest murder in, and we think that's cool.
0: Yeah, I'm this good is, with it. Yeah, uh, yeah. So again, a big thank you to them. And then also thanks to everyone who uh, who has rated and reviewed the podcast. We are so grateful for the comments, the feedback, and the support that we receive from our listeners. And that does, uh, you know, what that does for us is uh, it does amazing things and, and puts us to to where we are on the charts and, and all of that. And we we could not be more grateful for that. So Jonah, what are people saying about Midwest murder?
1: This one is from Segan308. zero eight five stars, the best playlist for any date night. So a uh, oh, true crime Midwest okay. murder date night. I, I wouldn't have expected it, but I think there might even be people here on a date night. So maybe it's more real than we think. <laughs> okay. Let me explain me and my wife one night on a dinner date. We're brainstorming podcast ideas low and beyond long story short we found yours. We've been hooked ever since, and every time we go anywhere, normally on a date, we turn you guys on and listen to another murder. It's become our go-to every time we're in the car. Keep up the great work. Much love from the East Coast. Oh,
0: from the East Coast, even. That's cool. That's from, awesome. From
1: yeah, coast to coast, Midwest murder. We we love to hear that. That's really cool. This one from Bismarck Beauty 69, five stars, obsessed. When I was recommended Midwest Murder, I was hesitant because I am so routine-based. I caved in and haven't had any doubts. I live in Bismarck and am family to law enforcement. I have heard so many familiar names of police officers and deputies, and it makes me hometown proud. I can't wait for more.
0: That's super cool. Thank you. That's it, really cool. Hey, we had good ones yeah. this
1: time. They're not always, no. they're not always kind. So we, we do appreciate anyone who takes time out of their busy life to drop us a quick review on iTunes podcasts or, or Spotify. Yeah. I we, think it helps we, people, it helps people find us. It
0: does. Yeah. And we, we appreciate the good and the bad. Um, sometimes Jonah makes me insult myself when I'm up here reading them, but that's okay.
1: I find them a lot. I find a lot of them to be mutually insulting.
0: <laughs> well, I'm intellectually lazy. That's how it goes. All right. Well, and also big thanks to our sponsor for this show. If you are, uh, if you're familiar with Minot, you've probably heard of Premier Chiropractic. They have five chiropractors in uh, in house to meet all of your needs. And uh, Jonah, tell them, tell everybody what they do.
1: Uh, What they do is they they combine a ton of different techniques to. give you the best experience for improving the health of your body, whether you're recovering from an injury or you're just looking in general to improve mobility. And they choose exercise techniques that fit each individual patient. So at Premier Chiropractic, not only do they do adjustments, they offer dry needling, soft tissue work, and there's a rehab area for functional exercises. And with locations in Minot, Kenmare and Stanley they can service a pretty wide swath of North Dakota and they have a specialty in prenatal pediatrics as well as athletes but they are willing to work with athletes
0: like even athletes like if we we consider ourselves athletes
1: Don Palumbo I I do moderately consider myself an athlete I train I compete in several uh, registered events every year so on some degree yeah maybe I am one you've been an athlete once you're a hockey player you've done it you've done athletic things so yeah they'll work with all of us So many people come to them with pain, acute, chronic, and otherwise. Premier Chiropractic, big thanks for having them on board. Visit their website, premierchiropracticnd.com, or find them on Facebook at Premier Chiropractic ND.
0: Yeah, big thanks to them. You can also buy us a hot dish now at www.buymeacoffee.com slash Midwest Murder. You can buy us a coffee, you can buy us a hot dish. It basically helps us uh, get access to you know, case files, court documents, it it gives us some gas money to, to go out and, and see all of you wonderful folks. And uh, and we've, we've got quite a few members and we really, really appreciate it. It's super, super cool.
1: Yeah. A lot of people choosing to go the extra mile. You can do that at buymeacoffee.com slash Midwest murder. We do appreciate all that help.
0: We also have some new merch coming. So towards the end of this month, we will have some some merch. And when we come out and see you like this, we'll be um, we'll even have some on hand, which is exciting. But uh, stay tuned for our or to our uh, social media, and you'll see the the new link.
1: Yeah, we're not going to hide the new merch from you. I promise. <laughs>
0: no. No, and and also with that, uh, it's local. You know, we're 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 moving away from T Public and going local to a local business and uh, who does amazing things in our community. And you know, we're we're super excited to uh, support them as well.
1: Yeah, those local partnerships really matter. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So our episode today takes us back to the years of 1984 through 1988. And normally, I like to go with a whole lot of things, but I figured I'd just take some highlights from each year. In 1984, other than the best thing about that year being me, I was born that year. <laughs> uh, the uh, the first Apple Macintosh computer went on sale. I think it was like teeny, but you know the screen was like the size of my phone. Popular musicians from around the world formed Band Aid and recorded Do They Know It's Christmas? Oh, the 80s. It was oh, like the, the 80s. It was like the the decade of, of all of those pop stars getting together and and yeah. Interesting. So I think it'd be it'd be difficult to explain that to somebody who... There's like know, Live
1: Aid. And, yeah, there was yeah Live there's Live Aid, Band-Aid,
0: all of them, yeah. Summer Olympics were... And we'll talk about Live Aid, actually, because that happened in like 85, I think. Okay. Uh, Summer Olympics were held in Los Angeles, California. Ronald Reagan was re-elected as U.S. president. And one thing I wanted to point out uh, for each year is the inflation rate in 1984 was 4.3%. Okay. So in 1985, the Live Aid concerts, see, <laughs> raised over $50 million for famine relief in Ethiopia. Nintendo was released. A high five to all the youngest siblings out there for having to be Luigi forever. And now I, I make my, my children be Luigi because I'm, I'm old enough now I can be Mario. Um, New Coke was was released. Michael Jordan was rookie of the year in 1985, so pretty wild. And the inflation rate in 85 was 3.55%. In 1986, the Oprah Winfrey show debuted. The Soviet nuclear reactor at Chernobyl exploded, causing radioactive material to be released um, Over many parts of Europe, and you still can't go there. Space shuttle Challenger exploded and killed the seven astronauts on board. Super sad. Uh, Halley's comet visited Earth for only the second time in the 20th century, which I think that's dumb. The way that was written, because it's only going to show up twice in a century, but because it shows up like what? What's every you? Seventy-three years, seventy-four years.
1: I don't know, but I, I get hung up when I hear comments because I just think of everybody drinking the Kool Aid, looking at the comet, and then and then dying from the poison Kool Aid. But it's probably you mean not... Jim this. Jones. Yeah, is that was that about a comet though? No, that was, I, a cult, that was a cult. That was right. a cult. Yeah, but there was a cult that it was obsessed over a comet at one point in time. Oh. And they all there was a bunch of them that died from that. This is not that common. I
0: don't think it was Jim Jones and his and his Kool Aid. Okay, was, no, that was a different that was a different cult different in the seventies, eighties. Yeah, I mean
1: it's hard to keep up with them all.
0: Um, right. Yeah, I feel like you were just absorbing the knowledge today with yeah. you know with the Chatty Cathy doll soaking and, it in. Yeah, just ready for it. Uh, and also in eighty six, the inflation rate was one point nine one percent. So it went down. In 87, The Simpsons debuted on The Tracy Ullman Show, Full House, one of my personal favorites, debuted. And WrestleMania 3 happened. The Hulkster defeated Andre the Giant.
1: Yes, uh, nice with the WrestleMania reference. Yeah.
0: Well, I had to throw it in there because for Halloween, I was, I was Hulk Hogan. And, uh, <laughs> and I, was, uh, I, I was committed. I was committed. I wore men's underwear in, in public. I died. I dyed like 15 pair. Actually, no, probably seven. I dyed seven pair of underwear, and then to wore, get, the perfect, to get yellow, the perfect yellow, the Hogan yellow. Yep. And then we're out in public, and it's really funny when you're out in public in a costume like that. Nobody makes eye contact with you. None. Like what? None whatsoever. It was very, very awkward. But I went in there. Uh, I went in there with the confidence of a mediocre middle-aged white man, and I got it done. So nice. Come on, that was funny. <laughs> All right. Um, also in 87, the Iran-Contra affair continued, and Ronald Reagan addressed the American people regarding that. And the inflation rate also was 1.91%. And in 88, our last year that we'll talk about this uh, this episode, Prozac was sold as an antidepressant for the first time. Margaret, Margaret Thatcher, who was the first female prime remi- prime minister, became the longest-serving prime minister in history. The Winter Olympics were held in Calgary, Alberta, And George H.W. Bush was elected U.S. president. The inflation rate was 4.08%. And for perspective, the inflation rate in 2022 is expected to be 8.8%.
1: Okay, bad inflation, but that doesn't mean we want everything from the 80s back. Agreed. Agreed, actually. Just the low inflation, maybe that cheap bacon.
0: Yeah, yeah, that that bacon, WrestleMania. A couple of the hits, Mm -hmm. Hulkster. Yeah, I take it back.
1: Heaven's gate. The the hail Bob uh, co- comment. Anyways, that was that, the one. So I, had to, I appreciate. I had, to, I had to Google yeah. that.
0: Uh, so the, our story tonight. I, I we say it in the in the um, intro, but this one is. It it deserves another one. What do deserves, we say it, in the it, intro? It des- that it uh, you know oh, just... give a warning in the give intro. Is warning. that okay? Yeah. So yeah. The fair
1: warning in the intro. Extra warning right now yeah. from Don Palumbo. Yeah. yeah. Okay.
0: All right. Well, serial killers have long been a fascination of true crime enthusiasts, criminologists, law enforcement, nearly everyone. And everyone wants to know why, how, how to avoid it. And there's just like this this morbid curiosity surrounding them. And according to the FBI Behavioral Unit, quote, there is no single identifiable cause or factor that leads to the development of a serial killer. End quote. So when men like Jeffrey Dahmer, Ted Bundy, and Dennis Rader do the things they do, anyone who's, who has heard of their vile, upsetting, stomach-turning crimes, we grasp at any shred of an answer or explanation. And our serial killer that we're going to talk about tonight, Robert Berdella, is no different.
1: Wild to think there's no single identifiable cause or factor. I, I would have believed there to be some strong consistencies, but wow.
0: I mean, I think there's, there, you know... There's a head trauma. But not or, a single or a, identifiable cause, nope, right? not one single. Nope. So Robert Berdella was born in 1949 to Catholic parents in Ohio, Cuyahoga Falls to be exact, which is a nice, quiet suburb of Cleveland. An only child for the first seven years, his brother Daniel was born in 1956. He was quiet, somewhat distance, distant, standoffish, and a bit of a strange individual, even self-admittedly so. In addition to his different personality, he also had to wear thick glasses to be able to see properly. So enter shitty kids who bully. Of course. this guy, he fit the mold. For the early part of his life, he he found solace in his Catholic upbringing. But his faith and his religion was pushed to its breaking point when his father died suddenly of a heart attack at 39 years old. It's like one year from me right now. That's terrifying. Berdella was 16. And turning 16 is hard enough and it would prove to be an incredibly transformative year for him. Burdella worked in a restaurant and was allegedly raped by a male employee. It was also the year that he watched a movie that he would claim left a lifelong impression on him, and that movie was The Collector. The Collector is described as, very creepily so, almost a love story.
1: Okay, that's a little bone-chilling.
0: Just wait. Uh, And The Collector is about a socially awkward male who collects butterflies and wanting a girlfriend— but not having the social skills to get one, he decides he's going to collect a girlfriend the same way he collects butterflies. So he stalks his victim. Excuse me, stalks his victim and then brings her back to his home or collecting jar, if you will, and holds her captive.
1: Logical leap,
0: right? Yeah, yeah. It, it feels it feels a bit silent of the Lambs*, right? Like that's kind of how I feel, but I very very different. But um, yeah, so almost a love story to describe it as that. It's like. Who, who did that? And I hope they sought some therapy cause that feels wrong, but
1: I might have to go watch the collector now.
0: It's from 1965.
1: Yeah. Classic. Yep.
0: Yeah. So for me, it would make a different kind of impression, you know, like make me maybe more aware of my surroundings to do everything I can do to not get collected. Um, or if I were him, maybe make me a good, you know, human child and show me what not to do. Right. But you no, know, it was transformative. So shortly after his dad's death, his mother remarried, and as someone who was close with his father and still reeling from his death, rightfully so, he resented his mother's new romance and his new stepdad, and made no secret of it. At the age of 18, he enrolled in the Kansas City Art Institute in Kansas City, Missouri. Again, tapping into that odd side of him, his taste in art matched his strangeness. It didn't take long for him to embrace the reckless side of college life either, and start using heavy drugs and alcohol. So much so that it began to affect his studies, which, I mean, what college student didn't have that happen? It still affects my studies. Not only alcohol use, not drug use, I should clarify. (laughs) (laughs) Not only was he using, but he was also selling. And just a short, five months later, he sold methamphetamine to an undercover agent and was arrested.
1: Whoa, okay. Yeah,
0: Yeah, it just went hard. Like just.
1: He really jumped in there.
0: (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, it was the 70s. So, he was subsequently sentenced to a suspended sentence of 5 years for methamphetamine. 5 years.
1: Suspended. Suspended.
0: Like you're good. I don't know, it feels weird. Then just a month later, he was arrested for possession of LSD and marijuana, but those charges were dropped due to lack of evidence. Okay. Which makes me makes me question, which it has nothing to no relevance whatsoever, but how is there lack of evidence if he had possession of LSD and marijuana? What
1: that's the what evidence. Would, what, <laughs> would,
0: what would cause that to be lack of evidence? But
1: I mean, just I suspicion know. that he was using LSD and marijuana, but no, no it was possession. No, no, no.
0: possession. Yeah, right. that, yeah. So I don't,
1: one of these things doesn't add up. <laughs> right. Unless he but became informant, unless he became some sort of a, a CI, I guess at that point. Didn't seem but they like say it, lack but of evidence. Not they right. wouldn't come out right out and say that. Maybe I don't know.
0: But again, it was the seventies. So I look who knows. back to his
1: he said it was transformative and he, it was a collection of butterflies and like the transformation process of a butterfly. And now he's out here transforming into a drug dealer.
0: Well, you worked really hard for that one. Yeah. <laughs> that was, that's, you shouldn't laugh at jokes like that. You guys don't encourage that. I'm Okay. So while he didn't give up his drug and alcohol induced lifestyle, he followed a less checkered path for a while and began work as a short order cook and was still attending art school for at least a time. He would drop out at the age of 20 December of 1969. And throughout this time, he began to have fantasies about torture and murder. So like many people, Berdella used his 20s as his decade of self-discovery and acceptance. He bought a house. He honed his skills as a chef, becoming more accomplished by working at well-known restaurants and country clubs. He even assisted in setting up training and classes for those interested in becoming chefs. In his neighborhood, he even helped organize a crime watch and crime prevention program. So he's like the he's like the classy neighbor, right? He's like the... a
1: plus skill set. Yeah, really. Yeah, Yeah. he really got beyond the the LSD and marijuana and into a whole new world here.
0: Yeah, I mean, he you know he was he was in his career, and in the seventies it was also a difficult time to be openly gay. But he had discovered his sexuality and became openly homosexual. He also started collecting odd artifacts and antiques, like think flea market, if you will. So in 1981, at the age of 32, with his collection of odd artifacts and antiques. He was able to quit his full-time job as a cook and he opened his own shop called Bob's Bazaar Bazaar. So even the name even the name was weird. Like I had to look at it three times. I was like Bazaar Bazaar. Bazaar. Yeah. The triple B. <laughs> right. And the store specialized in darker and occult type interests. So it was geared towards a certain demographic, if you will. So the next year he began a serious very Unstable relationship with a very unstable vietnam veteran and that did not last long and Burdella realized his affinity for picking up young male sex workers He built friendships with many of the individuals. He picked up allowing many of them to live in his home in exchange for chores He was also supportive and he encouraged many encouraged many of them to move on from sex work So I mean just like oh, you know all around package, right? He he's he's on the crime prevention thing He's sounds
1: he's, like he's a homeowner Right. Someone is yep. homeowner he's a, he's in a the homeowner. suburbs,
0: no less. Right. He's right. in the suburbs. Yeah. He's got okay. his own house. He's he is, you know, trying to he was he's spread the good word, you know, just telling, you know, you know, encouraging these, you know, because uh, sex workers, you know, they typically the background, it's not something you've, you've chosen. It's it's something that you're you're forced to do for survival. And so he's, you know, encouraging many to to move beyond the lifestyle. Uh, male sex work has been around for as, as long as female sex work has, and history has just treated it differently because it carries a stigma that comes, uh, that came or continues to come along with homosexuality. And even in Roman times, it existed. Archaeologists have uncovered brothels that show markings indicating that they were male-only establishments. And according to Cambridge University, quote, male sex work has, was a service procured by those of high social status and supplied by those of low social status. Within the same social class, however, the practice was generally taboo and discouraged. From the historical scholarship, we find that the commercial aspects of the market were embedded in social ideas about who could and should supply and demand sexual services between men, end quote. So basically, we've been demanding sex work while also looking down upon it for centuries, I mean, and I, it's no different.
1: I think sex work's probably the oldest form
0: of quote-unquote employment. I, yeah. I mean. I would, I would, you know, next to carpentry. Yeah. I think it's it's probably right up there. So, I, I mean, clearly it's, you know, you're kind of, you can kind of see this, you know, he, he is, it doesn't sound like he is, you know, abusive or anything at this point. He's, he's just procuring Bob. their services, but yet also encouraging them to do differently.
1: Sure. Yeah. I mean, Bob has some, what people might label as peculiar habits and interests, mm-hmm. uh, which, sure. you know, those, those are fine. The, the occult store, Bob's Bazaar, but the, the old, the fantasies.
0: That's that's where that's where it makes me scratch my. I gotta my draw head a the line bit, somewhere. I'll bet. So it seemed to be a normal house, Bob's house, not the Bob's Bazaar Bazaar. It offered a safe place for male sex workers, um, but was anything but that. And inside the normal-looking Hyde Park home was sadomasochistic, murderous torture.
1: Dear God.
0: Yeah. It took a turn. In 1984 continuing to attempt to fuel his God complex by being a savior to male sex workers. Burdella allowed one of the male sex workers he had met to, he had just met to stay with him for a couple of days. And 19 year old Jerry Howell was that sex worker. He would never be seen alive again and no longer being able to squash his torturous tendencies or his murderous fantasies. He drugged Jerry with animal tranquilizers bound and gagged him to a bed and proceeded to repeatedly sodomize him, detailing and logging each move with photographs as well as in his journal. Once Jerry had died of asphyxiation, Berdella hung his body upside down in the basement, cut slits in his body, and drained the blood. He then dismembered the body, disposed, disposed of him in garbage bags, leaving him on the curb for sanitation workers to dispose of at the city dump. His body was never found.
1: Holy shit. That the stopping to journal it along the way, it, this is all so horrific, but that part you get to a point, you stop, you journal it, photograph it. Then you go and do more. It, this is so messed up.
0: And it, it was not just, This it, was, it was his first victim. This was his first victim. Yep. And so, I mean, obviously not able to, to, to uh, put aside those needs or desires anymore. Berdella's intention with Jerry Howell was uh, originally was to uh, quote keep him or even collect him, if you will. When that didn't work, Bradella stayed quiet for nearly a year. So he wanted to keep him as his toy and or as his own personal sex slave, you know, asserting some some type of control over him. That did not did not go that way, and so he was he he had a cooling off period, if you will. And in April 1985, once again, he was ready to collect. He welcomed an acquaintance to stay at his home again. And on April 10th, 1985, he injected Robert Sheldon with drugs. But the next day, he decided that he wasn't going to keep him because his his victim, Robert, was complaining of soreness from the drugs. And then he took him to the doctor.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. Whoa, I'm going to kill you. I drugged you.
0: But I'm not going to kill you, and I will seek medical help for you. So you can almost see like this, this, there's a pole yeah. I,
1: there. There's a pendulum yeah. swinging right. within right. this person. That is.
0: Yep. But just two days after originally arriving at the house, Berdella changed his mind yet again. Ber- Robert Burdella tortured and sodomized Robert Sheldon for days using any instrument he could find. And on April 15th, a handyman arrived to do some work for Berdella Panicking and worried that the handyman may may hear his victim or hear his screams, he suffocated Robert with a plastic bag, drained his body in the bathtub, and disposed of the body the same way as his previous victim had been. The only difference was he kept the decapitated head.
1: What in the freezer? Kept it where? Like on, you know, next to his bed?
0: It's a it's a that's actually a good question. No, he it, he buried it. He buried okay. it. For now.
1: Can we back up just one Please. quick moment here? So he took him to the doctor. They mm-hmm. went to the doctor. They that happened. The doctor. Yes. This yeah, guy they did, went to the doctor. Yes. This man did not understand that he was drugged by... He didn't know that he, he did, had he been did drugged. Not know he that didn't he realize that he got injected with something. Right. Yep. Okay. Yep. yep. Okay. Takes him to the doctor. And Everything checks out. They go back to Berdella's house and Berdella's like, nope, actually, yep. now yep. that the doctor cleared him to come back to my house, I'm going to go ahead and... Yep. Wow. basically
0: and so robert sheldon he even um he even got intoxicated and that was when he changed his that was when Burdella changed his mind okay so that was april of 1985 in june of 1985 Burdella met mark wallace who was going to help him with yard work during a horrendous storm Burdella found mark taking shelter in the tool shed so he invited him in and then immediately drugged him the next day After being tortured and sodomized for several hours before dying, he he died of asphyxiation. His body was disposed of as the others had been.
1: Were were all his victims drugged with injection? Or do you know if some of them were drugged with, you know, we've seen the Dom, most people have seen the Dahmer series now and they know he was drugging their drinks. Do you know?
0: I'm proud to say that I've, I've seen it now. I've finished it.
1: Spoiler alert. Dahmer was drugging his victims. Sorry.
0: Right. Yeah. It it did not say, but it, okay. it did in his journal, which we'll talk about, it, uh, mostly injection. Wow. Mm-hmm. So by d- September 1985, Bergello was obviously getting a bit more comfortable and a bit more bold. He picked up James Ferris at a bar and brought him home, James meeting the same fate. Bergello went dark for about nine months, so he had a cooling off period.
1: And during the cooling off period, this is oftentimes sort of a, a reset back to quote unquote normal life for a serial killer. And I and, know and you asked me to look up a little bit about mm-hmm. these cooling off yeah. periods, and there is not technically like a unified consensus on the hows and the whys of cooling off periods, what triggers them, or exactly like what the characteristics are. But um, in in this case, it it is for most of the serial killers. At the very least, it's a return to whatever normal is for them. Because in this case, he's a chef, right? He's still a no, chef. No, at this
0: point, he's he's working full time at Bob's Bazaar Bazaar. Oh, mm-hmm. just
1: oh, so he he ditched being the chef. Yep. full time a cult store.
0: Yep. Well, good, good for I him. Wouldn't, I wouldn't say a cult uh, well, okay, store. Okay, I mean, I mean, But but I mean, it, it's definitely darker darker things. So yeah, so he was he was full time that. So he would go back about his business so he again went dark he had his cooling off period for about nine months and in June 1986 Todd Stoops who was already an acquaintance of Burdella's, because again he was making friends with these people and and with these and and how it's oh, the most yeah. like how that one of my questions that that has not been answered but but keeps coming up how had word not spread yet about
1: right? somebody preying on yeah yeah sex workers, well and or and, or, and
0: how if it, you know were they of the same um, kind of friend group type thing? I mean, or acquaintances, right? You know, if 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 these sex workers are are, are disappearing, which again, I, I think history shows that we don't always. Um, that's why they're preyed upon, right? It's because it, it's because sure. Is because for somebody's not always looking for them. They're
1: transients. They're runaways. People aren't looking for them. It's it's he's not stealing these people from the suburban neighborhood in which he lives. Right. Right. right? This is this isn't Janadell North getting kidnapped and or disappearing here. This is
0: way, yeah, way... These, are, way, these yeah. are people that are you know likely not in every case, but you know not being looked for.
1: Well, there's there's calculation quickly. in this victim selection for know, sure, undoubtedly.
0: Yep, but I, but also like I mean, but how are other sex workers not aware of this, right? And and that we should was, be getting around the, avoid the, this the, guy, avoid this guy. Yeah. but it does not seem to to be that way. Hmm. So, again, Todd Stoops, who was already an acquaintance of Berdella's, his time with him was no different. However, the torture was getting longer, and Berdella was learning what the brink of death actually was. So he was was keeping him for longer and longer, or keeping these people for longer and longer. And Todd Stoops was tortured for weeks, not dying of blood loss from the torture until July 7th. So three weeks after he'd been brought back to Berdella's house. Wow. So you can see the escalation, you know, but where, where does it, where does it go from there? I mean, that's.
1: That's stretching out the pain of death intentionally.
0: Right. So you're seeing this control that clearly he is starting to enjoy, I guess,
1: if you will. Yeah. Possibly even get off on that power and that Mm -hmm. that control big time.
0: So on June 7th or June 5th, 1987, so now this is an entire year later. So his, his torture is getting longer, but his cooling off period is longer as well. Sure. So on June 5th, 1987, Larry Pearson called his friend, Robert Berdella, to bail him out of jail. Berdella did like any good friend would, right? And invited him back to live with him. Larry took him up on his offer. Larry Pearson was drugged and tortured in the basement of the house for six weeks.
1: Oh, man.
0: On August 5th, Berdello went to the hospital because Larry had bit his penis, and due to the injury, Berdello was told he'd have to remain in the hospital for a few days.
1: Holy smokes.
0: Yeah. But first... (sighs) So, I think... Before I get there, I I think it's important to to point out, too, that that these victims are not drugged the entire time.
1: Right. They're... feeling what they're going through.
0: Yes. And they are, they're very, very much aware of what is happening. And, you know, for, for, a, a the victim to finally fight back or to be able to fight back, you know, it's, it's also showing, I, I think it's showing what, what Berdella is doing. I mean, he's, he's drugging these people, but just to the point where they're, you know, they're not unconscious or, sure. or anything. So I, I think it's,
1: well, I, they're, they're, I would, I would imagine they're may, perhaps initially unconscious mm-hmm. and then wake up mm-hmm. in, in chains or they're bound in some yeah. fashion. Right. Like mm-hmm. that.
0: Mm-hmm. For sure.
1: And that getting that, getting his penis bit by this guy. Mm-hmm. Oh my, I just can't even, what do you, like that is.
0: Well, and if the guy's got the I mean, whole I know.
1: situation, that guy had to have convinced him. No, no, no. I'm, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do this. No, it's safe. It's safe. Bring it over here. Well, and, I know... and then he bites it and is hoping to break off, get free. I mean, good for him. But I'm serious. Like, I don't think that I just can't. I can't. I can't. I can't get over that. Well, and I... like that's a real concerted effort. That's the only chance you got. You got no hands. You got no legs. And and you. But hey, listen. And It was
0: 1987. I mean, so you know. We're not talking about like, you know, 1912 before antibiotics were introduced, right? I mean, right. we're, you know, it's 1987, you know, medical uh, uh, progress had been made. I mean, so to have to stay in the hospital for a couple for of a days. For a couple of days. For a dick that bite. That was, yeah, well, yeah. Yeah. You said it. You did. That it's it's just, yeah. It's fair. real. It happens. It is yeah. it, horrific. Yeah. This is
1: all really horrific and it's painful, all very painful to hear for many right. reasons. Right. But you're going this in there, is, that's... You know, that's by, like, hanging by the skin. Let's sew it back together.
0: I really I really wish for those of you who are not here tonight listening to this later, you could see the, the, the gesture he just made. <laughs> yeah, I, it, it did not go into detail as to what, you know, how bad the injury was, but I'm going to go ahead and make that leap that if you need to stay in the hospital for a couple days, it could just be just like that gesture.
1: I mean, my skin has been crawling this whole episode, but all of this, this, yeah, Larry Pearson, man, you tried. That's, that was, seriously, that's.
0: And, uh, unfortunately, before being admitted into the hospital, Burdella claimed he needed to go home quickly. Oh, God. And suffocated Larry Pearson with a plastic bag. Oh.
1: Okay, I'll stay here at the hospital for a few Just let me go get my things. And he goes back and murders this poor guy.
0: Yeah. So on August 7th, Berdella was released from the hospital and went to dispose of the body. But again, kept the head, only to bury it in the backyard.
1: So he had the body there the whole time?
0: Yeah. He Well, yes. So he suffocated him, went to the hospital, healed up, I guess, if you will. Yeah, Enough to be released, and then went back home to finish the job. But not before removing the first skull he had buried that belonged to Robert Sheldon. He displayed it inside his house. It was now a decoration.
1: Wow. Did he... So did he clean it like one would clean a skull through like taxidermy well, type? This, yeah. purposes? I mean at this
0: point it had it, it had been a few years. I mean, you know, so it's it, you know, we're in we're in eighty seven, you know, and that was in eighty four. So decomposition, you know, was was, was there.
1: I, I, I don't know the rate at which decomposition works. So I like but for real, is like was it a skull or are there fragments of tissue it was, still? It was the, it like was the he's, skull.
0: It was the skull. Yeah. Uh, what I also can't, again, I know it was the '80s, but he's he is disposing of human remains in garbage bags.
1: Some of them got three, left outside his
0: front door. Three years later, three years later, they still hadn't been found, right? I mean, it, human bodies in garbage bags, and then and the the garbage guy or the, the sanitation worker is just. You know, working it into the back of the 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 thing. I, I it. Well, and it's
1: it's it sounds like he was putting them in different bags well, and just, leaving I mean, them in different locations, right? Like he wasn't always just throwing it out on on his own curb. He was bringing them to different places, right? No. No, this is his own curb every putting, time. He
0: is putting the garbage just on his curb. Just taking
1: it out to his own curb.
0: He is putting wow. what that he is, he views as garbage yeah yeah on the curb.
1: Oh, see, I th- I thought there was a reference that he disposed of the bags in a few different locations. No, no, no. but still, I, that's no, no. every time it's bodies in the bags and no one noticing. I mean, it's trash. It's trash. You throw it in there. Men at work. It's the '80s, right?
0: It, it was the '80s. Yeah, yeah. I almost made a really bad Emilio Estevez joke, but it, me too. It, it was. I'm glad you held it it's, back. It's, it's, held not the mine back at, it's not the time. It's not the time nor the place to do that. So, yeah on March 29th, 1988. So now this is, if it was, this is March. So this is August 7th when he disposed of, of or of, uh, of Larry Pearson's body. So March 29th, 1988, Chris Bryson, a sex worker was hanging around the old Greyhound bus station in downtown Kansas city. When he came across Berdella in an attempt to hustle him, Chris didn't realize that Burdella was actually hustling him. Oh, and can't con,
1: can't con a con man.
0: Right. I believe they say can't bullshit a bullshitter, but right. Yeah. And interestingly enough, he, Burdella suggested that they go back to his house and Chris was, Chris Bryson was like, heck yeah. Uh, you know, let's do that. It's, it was the, it was luxurious because he was used to shitty motel rooms and, you know, cars and everything. And so he, he thought this was kind of almost vacationy while he's, you know, about to hustle this guy.
1: Yeah, you're 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 not going to so a, a crack motel where someone's you know using in the next room, and yeah, right. it's yeah,
0: you're going you're going to the burbs.
1: He's yeah. he's from poverty, right? Yeah, okay.
0: And so they got back to Berdella's house and they spent a little while getting to know one another. And after a little bit of time, Berdella suggested that they get a little more comfortable and go upstairs where there was a TV and more comfy furniture.
1: That's that. So that's the move.
0: It is, but I still want to be like, don't do it.
1: Yeah. Just well, I'm hoping that... Neutral
0: ground. Thinking neutral like ground. maybe
1: Chris has a plan to get him. That's what I'm hoping for here.
0: Well, whether he had a plan or not, it didn't matter. Because as they were climbing the stairs, Berdella hit Chris in the back of the head, immediately knocking him unconscious. For the next four days, Chris was tortured nearly endlessly. Oh. He beat him with a club and has injected his body with tranquilizers and antibiotics. He shocked his victim using alligator clips on different parts of his body, including his genitalia, and also sodomized him repeatedly. Throughout the torture, Chris Bryson was tied to the headboard of the bed, each limb stretched as far as it could go. In order to make him comply, Berdella told him about what happened to his prior victims when they didn't listen. When they didn't listen, he fed them to the dogs, is what he told them. And shortly after the torture began, Chris yelled that Berdella had raped him. Berdella didn't take too kindly to that and injected drain cleaner into his throat right next to his windpipe.
1: Holy shit.
0: He told him that if he continued to yell, he'd make sure he lost his voice completely. He then put swabs of some chemical, which Chris thought was alcohol, into his eyes.
1: This this is so morbidly experimental on this person's part now. It's like I'm just gonna grab whatever cleaning fluid is in my house and pump my victim full of it. Yeah. Oh.
0: On April second, Burdello went to work like any normal day and went to run some errands as well. Because Chris had been listening and obeying. Now he was allowed to have the remote control. So turning the TV down all the way to make sure his captor was gone. He began to free one hand, then used matches to burn the rest of the ropes to get free. <gasps> Completely naked and with the ropes that held him captive, dangling behind him, he broke the glass to a window. Knowing it was his only way to escape, he jumped from the second-story window, injuring his foot as he landed, but of course not letting the pain stop him. He ran to the nearest neighbor and pounded on the door. The neighbor didn't allow him in. I mean, he's... It's, Relatively fair. 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 Yeah. But, but he didn't still, call the cops. But still called the police. And after the police arrived and questioned Chris, questioned Chris who was sitting on the neighbor's step, Burdello arrived at home. Within minutes of arriving home, Burdello was arrested. So, with Missouri having strict laws of holding a person of interest, law enforcement only have 20 hours to determine charges. What they were able to hold him on were warrants for felonious restraint and those things, but not the actual attempted murder or anything. So they did have a little bit of time on their side. And immediately upon entering the home, they knew they were dealing with someone with odd habits and likely you know, was a hoarder. In the eighties they probably didn't use that word, but you know, he, he saved anything he could get his hands on. Well we you know, know he's a he tinkered, collector. he he was, a, he was a collector, yeah. Of things other than humans too.
1: Was he still using? Do you know if he was still using meth through this time?
0: Didn't say. No, it did not seem okay. like he was. He was on drugs, so it was there was no drug talk whatsoever. And I mean, he didn't have any more run-ins with the with law enforcement, right, So it's, for, for that, yeah, yeah. So it's kind of tough to say. So as police uh, enter the home, they had to weave their way through stacks and stacks of books piled high. The boxes in the hallway were filled with magazines and magazine clippings, and in the kitchen there was a chicken carcass that had been cooked. But had been sitting there for so long, it had turned black. Dog shit was everywhere, so you oh. can you can imagine the smell in this house. The you can just imagine being there.
1: Again, we're in suburbia. This is a not relatively quote unquote nice neighborhood.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it, it's
1: middle it's middle class neighborhood.
0: Sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah from the picture that I could see. Yeah. Right. Yep. And according to one police officer quoted in the Kansas City Star, quote: "When you walk through." You cross your hands so you don't touch anything, end quote. I mean, so you were like.
1: Little trails through his, his hoard of collectibles and yes, treasures yeah. and dog shit.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so can you. So just to, to paint that picture just a little bit more, right? You're sitting there, not sitting there, you're walking through this house. The smell is horrendous.
1: Your eyes are burning.
0: Yeah. And you, you've got just a, you're walking through a pathway. Your shoes are covered in dog shit. It's just, it's just icky. It's the 80s. There's
1: probably ashtrays and cigarettes everywhere too.
0: It's a, you know, it's a fair assumption. It's a fair assumption. Yeah. But what's interesting though, is the bedrooms were in relatively good order. The rest Mm -hmm. of the house was not. So as investigators started questioning neighbors, they also started to search the property. There were multiple areas of freshly moved dirt And after the Easter weekend, when most families are spending time together, a nightmare was absolutely unfolding. The tedious task of excavating the backyard began, and almost right away, a human skull with soft tissue and hair still intact was found. No bodies were found, but things that didn't provide answers and only raised more questions were animal bones, jars of bird feathers, which also started some false rumors that he was, you know, into uh, in a satanic cult or into Satanism, which the media got a hold of that and just really blew it out of proportion. But there was there was actually nothing that tied him to that.
1: Perhaps not openly, but it's not an unfair parallel when he runs a store that is somewhat obsessed with the occult, sure, sure. And, and we are coming from an era in the 70s in which there there was more attention given to certain occult studies and so just Mm -hmm. for for the record people who are into that occult there are ancient texts there is strange beliefs and there are rituals attached to some of these more rare occult based artifacts and I only know that because of my absolute obsession with uh, Led Zeppelin and through my studying of Jimmy Page
0: Mm -hmm. sure Um, yeah Yeah. sometimes you're such a nerd yeah big big time. (laughs) Uh, so with, uh, again, not having not found, uh, finding any bodies, it made it incredibly difficult to get a judge to sign off on murder charges. What? At, at, I mean, it was the 80s. They just still, they didn't have, they didn't have that. They, they didn't. It,
1: what, so what, what did you, you
0: Circumstantial, well, even circumstantial evidence, yeah. there wasn't a lot there because they didn't have, they they had Can't. a human skull, but there's no circumstantial evidence leading in, you know,
1: was, is this a callback to the LSD and marijuana? It's just your possession of a dead body, but we just can't charge you with <laughs> right, murder.
0: Right, But there was no body. I mean, yeah, they, well, they, a dead the head. Only, the only they had a human skull with soft tissue and by hair dead intact, head, yes. I don't
1: mean you know a dude with a beard smoking a joint in the backyard with the lightning <laughs> yeah. bolt on his t shirt. Right. They didn't like have a dead head. Yeah,
0: yeah. So in the house, they found his journal and numerous. Photographs: some with faces of his victims, some of him sodomizing his victims. Although neither Berdella's face nor his victims' face could be seen in those. Oh. Now I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you one more disclaimer, guys. This part is crude and disgusting. It's icky. Uh, the journal wasn't like an average journal. It had shorthand code that of took course. time to for law enforcement to decipher. What they came up with was. BF was anal penetration with his penis. Fing, so effing, so F I N G, F, was with his finger. And Berdella also used items to sodomize his victims, as I said before. In the journal, there were multiple references to carrot F or cucumber F. The journal also showed what drugs he injected his victims with and where on the body. So it was truly experimental. So each, each. Victim was a science experiment plus, plus 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 wow. a a a a, mm. a a way for him to exert his control. I, I mean, and you know, to control blood a,
1: magic with the occult is what it sounds like to me. That's occult blood magic shit, especially when it when it the way he strung that one dude up and cut him in a specific way. Yeah, that, the draining. Yeah. The, spooky 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 terrifying horrific
0: yeah so oddly enough and also not oddly enough because rarely does you know when when friends or acquaintances of a serial killer or whatever again with Dahmer fresh in my brain obviously not that's not the case but um you know they're like oh well you know how was how was the guy rarely Rarely do people say, "Oh yeah, that guy—he was totally gonna kill people." Like, rarely it's like, "I would have never expected that." He was just what was the what, the, the Candy Harms case was was unremarkable, right? Right, and How so unremarkable
1: of a killer mm-hmm. he was. The mm-hmm. only one that put people off that we've done was that sniper dude. His yeah. his workers—they called him killer or whatever. Right, so, right. But those people never thought he was gonna kill a person. You right. Know? Like, Jesus, yeah. It's always like, oh, he's really likable. Can't believe it.
0: And that's they they couldn't believe what kind of monster they called friend. People knew, who knew him described him as eccentric, sure, but likable and seemed responsible enough. The only negative thing that they could come up with was uh he could sometimes be condescending to women or to people who mm. who didn't who he thought didn't know as much as he did on a on a topic. Okay. So he was a know-it-all. He was sure. you know, so so Con,
1: Yep, condescending, mm-hmm.
0: yep. So Berdella still at at this point has you know, it is still being held on those those warrants of the felonious restraint, but he still wasn't talking, and certainly not confessing to anything or offering any details. And again, there still had not been any bodies found, and they hadn't been able to identify anyone in those photographs
1: because again, the photographs are all just bodies; it's no faces. They it's did have
0: a they did have a few of when it was just the victims themselves, okay, but not yeah. And in order to produce, prove that Burdella was also the other one in the photos. I don't know what this, this I'm not going to say this is the weirdest part of the story because I mean, you know, listen to the last 55 minutes of this, but uh, they,
1: it's all been the weirdest part.
0: It is. Um, They had him pose in similar positions and took photos of him in those positions that they could then send to professionals for identification and comparison. So they could compare the ones that they found in his house you know, basically so comparing, you know, his body to that body. I mean, and
1: I know they have experts for everything, Don Palumbo, but I'm calling bullshit meter on this one's I, going off. Come on. Well,
0: what else are you gonna do? It's like
1: handwriting I get, like there's just certain mannerisms, but just a, a pose in a picture. I you're you're stretching. You're stretching, but I get it. They wanna you gotta try to do everything you can to get this bastard, but yeah, please.
0: Right. I wasn't going to tell you like because he was annoyed and somewhat embarrassed. Uh, but he still cooperated, right? The where he where he drew the line and actually you know got upset and 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 fought back a little bit was when they had him do certain gestures with his hands and things like that because those were the types of pictures that were found, and so they wanted to compare his hand or fingers versus
1: those in the pictures. Those in the pictures still i mean that still sounds like a difficult thing oh yeah we can tell by the picture it's for sure his hand how sure are you well i 98% sure
0: right you I, know? I mean can you imagine being the expert on the on the stand up there for that like
1: without a tattoo or a scar you I, I don't you know you you're not going to get anything right uh, for well, I me mean, i would you think know, it's some you can, sort of
0: it, depending on how i mean again it was the 80s so it certainly wasn't um oh. certainly wasn't i know wasn't, those
1: bony fingers from everywhere it's him
0: Dude. Um, So after months of investigation, he was charged with the murder of Larry Pearson. At his arraignment days later, he surprised everyone by entering a plea of guilty to the charge of murder. And in order to avoid the death penalty, he agreed to provide details of the murders. Because that guy was absolutely going to fry.
1: Yeah, and... It's like, so there's a part of me that's like, man, they should have just let them fry. But I'm sure there's, obviously there's people out there who want to know, you know, who want some closure. Mm-hmm. and
0: Yeah. So according to his confession, he told the entire story and it's icky. Uh, yeah. So since the bodies, again, had never been located, Berdella did, it, basically they just had his word to go off of. Yeah, and he got so to, he got to paint
1: the whole picture.
0: Mm-hmm. So he talked about how he dismembered each body with the, and the various instruments or tools that he used, sometimes a chainsaw, sometimes knives. And he then talked about how he placed the bodies in the bathtub for because the the first victim was the only one that was hung upside down and where he made those incisions, elbow joints, legs and groin to allow the blood to drain. And then... As, as we discussed a, a few minutes ago, he put them into plastic trash bags and put them on the curb to be picked up. Now he's recounting this in the courtroom, full of people, including the loved ones of the victims. Yeah.
1: Just full on.
0: And then he talked in, in painstaking detail about how he would watch the bags being taken from the curb into the um, into the the garbage truck, so as to to make sure that they weren't disturbed. So, I, I mean, to no surprise, to no surprise, they demanded or required Berdella to go for psychiatric um, evaluation, and his psychiatric records showed a little bit more about who this person was. So, again, it's no secret he wanted control, and he considered himself to be the most important person in the room. And when he wanted to keep these people, he wanted them to be his sex slaves. And he said in his evaluation that he never killed them intentionally.
1: <laughs>
0: I'm not sure how that works, but, uh, but that, but that is.
1: No, I mean, he, he, he's like, if I killed them intentionally, I just could have done X, Y, or Z. I just wanted to experimented on them till they died of quote, natural causes by my weird experimentation. In his, his control factor, he wanted to control again, right to the very end. He wanted to control his narrative.
0: Mm-hmm. He, he did. He, it was his control. Yep. And even so, I mean, most serial killers, you know, think of their victims as less than human anyway. Right. But, and he was no different. He re he referred to to his victims or called his victims play toys. Oh. So he, again, um, in his, in his confession, he would beat his victims with various instruments. And then use drugs or chemicals, whichever ones, and keeping, you know, detail after detail. He even used window caulk and put it into the ears of one of his victims.
1: Oh, this is so depraved.
0: Yeah. So in his mind, excuse me, he thought that he was a good and upstanding individual who just made a couple mistakes and just did some terrible, just, you know, a few terrible things. And it's a couple of hiccups, huh? yes. And so affecting his his and, and we we were on the way here, we were talking about how narcissism um and how uh, someone will use the word narcissist and just kind of throw it around he He was a narcissistic personality for sure because he struggled with having his name thrown around in the in the like basically just a, a smear. He thought it was a smear campaign. it It hurt him so much that his name was was spoken about badly or poorly in the, in the press office.
1: after, after all this came out.
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh, geez. Yep. Yep. So, that is so toxic. Well, it just wait. So, because he, again, believing that he was this good and, and upstanding person, he wanted to um, prove to everyone that he was this good and upstanding person. And.
1: What, sensing an act of benevolence coming. <sighs>
0: he opened a trust fund for his victims families a trust fund of $50,000
1: it's a gesture i i it's
0: that's what you're going with it's I, a I, gesture
1: I, it's a it doesn't make that's more than i've ever heard of any other killer we've had do anything most of them like oh i'm sorry this guy i guess throwing some money into the hat it's all still disgusting but it's a gesture yeah, proving is quote unquote air quotes proving proving what yeah. I'm not was nice guy.
0: Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and I, I don't know if I were if I were um, was the money was
1: with the money was taken. I'm assuming it was used.
0: That part I, that part was not clear. Yep.
1: Did they and, were, were any of the weapons he used found? Were the any of these murder devices? I'm curious. The chainsaw in particular. If you're chainsawing somebody in your home there oftentimes I feel like there would be evidence of that somewhere. There'd be chainsaw scrapings or markings. You're going to generally, you're going to hit concrete somewhere or hit something when you're chainsawing a body.
0: They weren't actually clear about where he was doing that though. Like, Uh, I mean, so if it was in the backyard, right, there's, there's nothing to, there's nothing to say that.
1: I almost want to call BS on his on the on the chainsaw claim. But that's loud. If you're doing that in the backyard, you're chainsawing like neighbors never you, complain. There's never you any only have complaints. so many trees. Yeah, you only have so yeah. many trees.
0: And a picture of his neighborhood, the, the houses are not far apart. I mean, it's right. it's like any suburban neighborhood, right? Uh, yeah.
1: Chainsaws are uh, not quiet. You know.
0: Well, they just you know they just thought he was a little a uh, little eccentric. Mm. So. Some of the some of the victims' families did sue Burdella for wrongful death, but they had issues with the statute of limitations because because Burdella he was deposed three different times and refused to answer any questions. The first deposition he refused to even answer what his name was. The other two he would only answer what his name was and no, no other question
1: because he wasn't in control of that, right?
0: Yeah, yep. Yeah. It is icky. So he was uh, he was found they went with the guilty thing and he was sentenced to life without the possibility of parole. Would you like me to make this just even a little bit better? There's no better here. He only served a couple of years in prison. He served four years because he died of a heart attack at the age of 43. Good. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that. Uh, resources for today. That the, Before
1: you get that, that is, I have never cringed. Or had the Jonah bumps in pure dis- morbid disgust so much, my yeah. face hurts from from f- grimacing and frowning at the horror on display in this.
0: Well, to all the all the men that had to come along that were dragged here by their significant others, I'm really sorry to you too. It, it was you you already didn't want to be here, and then I made it really painful. So, yeah. Uh, resources for today's case the uh, the timeline was for was with the people history and then for the rest of the story it was the bbc radford university department of psychology murderpedia cambridge university press and the kansas city star uh, be sure to uh, watch our merch um, when we make our announcements for that and then of course um, and you'll find it on all of our social media and we'll again we'll we'll tell you so many times you will know it by heart Um, And then be sure to subscribe, subscribe, rate, review on whichever platform you find Midwest Murder on. A big thanks to everyone who has. Midwest Murder is hosted by the guy over here, Joe Nolanto, and myself, Don Palumbo, and produced by the Good Talk Network. And this episode was written written by myself, Don Palumbo. So thanks so much for listening and uh, for your support.
1: Thank you, Kildare.